0: This episode of Madison Story Slam is sponsored by Ale Asylum. Ale Asylum makes great beer for great people and they like great podcasts. Thanks Ale Asylum for sponsoring this episode and every episode of Madison Story Slam. This episode is also sponsored by Resolution Therapeutic Massage. Resolution is a massage therapy clinic in downtown Madison, Wisconsin. For your first appointment, you can get $5 off if you mention Madison Story Slam, so book it now by calling 608 443 7048. Thank you, Resolution, for believing in what we do. Hello and welcome to the Madison Story Slam podcast. I am your host, Adam Rosted, here today to bring you a special episode where, again, we're going to hear something from the new podcast called Read It and Weep Show. We want you guys to get into this podcast and come to the live show that's coming up on May 12th at Mr. Roberts. That's where you can come and read your old short stories diaries letters anything that you wrote before you graduated high school or if you don't have stuff from then maybe you have something else that you could read it needs to be at least 10 years old something that you wrote at least 10 years ago we're doing that because we recognize that not everybody was someone that you know kept things that they wrote in high school or they just didn't write in high school. So that's why we're doing that. We're really excited for this event. Again, it's May 12th at Mr. Roberts. The show starts at 8 p.m. and it is going to be fantastic. Let's see what else on May 19th is our next Story Slam. That's Saturday, May 19th at the Wilmar Center. The theme for our final Story Slam of the... Regular season, uh, you know, we did all movie titles or movie based themes. So, our final theme on May 19th is redemption, which we chose based off of the movie The Shawshank Redemption. So, maybe you've got stories about being in prison and you know, using uh, posters of movie stars to break out of prison. I'm sorry if I just ruined the movie for you, but uh, that's what happens. Or just any way that you can, you know, relate a story to the theme of redemption. I think we've all had forms of redemption in our lives and we want to come and hear those stories from you and we just know that that is going to be a great time on May 19th at the Wilmar Center. So on this episode of Read It and Weep, which came out this week on Tuesday, by the way, Go search for "Read It and Weep" on your podcast app, whichever one you use, and hit the subscribe button. If you use the uh, if you use iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app, go ahead and leave us a rating and a review on this podcast and on the "Read It and Weep" podcast. Um, and what else? That's oh, that's right. On this episode, we've got Story Slam regular Mel Hammond sharing some stories that she wrote in elementary school, one from high school. It's really great. And then next week, we're going to have some of the stories from our last Story Slam. But for now, here's Read It and Weep Show with Mel. Welcome to Read It and Weep. The show where we want you to come and read your old journals, letters, short stories, anything that you've written before you graduated high school, or anything that you wrote that you have at least 10 years separation from. Just so you know, our first live show is Saturday, May 12th at Mr. Roberts in Madison, Wisconsin. And if you're wanting to read at that show you need to submit your piece to read it and weep Show at gmail.com. But if you're just looking to come and hear some great old writings from great people, come on out to Mr. Roberts on May 12th, enjoy some good beverages, and you'll get to hear amazing pieces written by real people from long ago. Do us a favor, if you enjoy this podcast, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes. That helps us out so much, you wouldn't believe it. Also, if you enjoy this show and you want to support what we're doing, you can visit patreon.com slash and weep show. On today's episode, we have Madison Story Slam regular Mel Hammond sharing a few short stories that she wrote in elementary school and one that she wrote in high school. It's a great episode, so buckle in and get ready.
1: Oh, yeah. I always wanted to be a writer.
0: That's Melissa Hammond, otherwise known as Mel. If you're a fan of our other podcast, Madison Story Slam, you've probably heard a ton of her amazing stories.
1: Yeah, so I heard this story about a kid who pees off the top of every building, and I'm like, I bet I could do that. (laughs) I know that I don't have a penis, which makes it easier, arguably, to pee off the top of a building, but I'm a feminist, so I'm not going to let that stand in my way. I can pee off the top of every building on campus. Like, I like climbing stuff, like, this is totally cool.
0: When Mel isn't figuring out the logistics of peeing off every building on campus as a woman, she's writing. In fact, Mel has been writing her whole life. She's always aspired to be an author.
1: I brought a like a school years book where like every year you put in your class picture and you write down who your friends are and your favorite subject and like who you want to, what you want to be when you grow up. And every single year starting kindergarten, actually in preschool, I like added in a box for author slash illustrator.
0: With how great Mel is at telling stories from a stage, I could only imagine that writing came easy to her. And not only was it something she enjoyed but it was just something that she was good at.
1: Yeah, writing was just always easy and fun for me. I always wanted to be a writer and illustrator. I also was really into art, um, and so I would always take advantage of writing assignments at school and like really go above and beyond and be a, an annoying overachiever.
0: So in the spirit of being an overachiever, Mel brought three stories for us today. One, she wrote in high school, and that one's great. But the first two, she wrote when she was in fourth grade.
1: I was obsessed with aliens and Martians. I would, like, doodle them on my papers all the time.
0: And as you may have guessed, this first one is about aliens. So
1: I'll start with um, the day I met a Martian. And it goes like this. One Thursday afternoon, a Martian on Mars laid an egg. Then a little Martian took the egg and bounced it on its trampoline. It bounced up and up and up. Uh oh, the Martian said, I'm in trouble. The egg was almost to Earth. I better go get it, the Martian said. So she got in her flying saucer and started the engine. At least she tried to start the engine, it wouldn't work. So she got on the trampoline and jumped as high as she could. She tried again and again. Finally, she made it. She caught up with the egg. Then, the egg smashed through the window of my school. But where did the Martian go? I have no idea. It must have gotten lost somehow. I had like very specific different kinds of Martians that I would draw. Like My favorite one to draw was this head with all these like tentacles coming out of its head and there were eyeballs on the end of each one. And that was just like what I thought about a lot of the time. The egg landed on Mrs. Wright's shoe. Mrs. Wright is our principal. It looked like it had my name on it. So she wrapped it up and called me to the office. She gave me the package. I brought it back to class. When I opened it, I couldn't believe my eyes. It was the biggest, weirdest-looking egg I ever saw. It was a color I never saw before. It had little hairs all over it. It looked like spilled milk. It was always changing. Everyone said, "Ew." We put it on the counter. It was bothering us because it was making this gurgling sound. That night, I couldn't sleep because I was thinking about how the egg would look tomorrow. spelled tomorrow with an A in the middle. The next day, when we all got to school, we stared at the egg. Our mouths dropped open. The egg had grown twice its size. It was as big as Mrs. Cole's head plus my head. The gurgling sound was very loud. We all sat down, wondering what was going to happen. During math, I heard a cracking sound. I thought it was my imagination. Then I heard it again. Crack. Crack. More people heard it. Then it happened. Out came a weird-looking alien dog. It ran out the door. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As far as, like, uh, an alien dog coming to our school, um, there's probably part of that fantasy was, like, being the special one who like the principal saw my name on the egg and like called me down to get it Um, but beyond that I don't remember any specific fantasies about alien dogs so I I guess I had this fantasy about feeling special not that I didn't feel special at home I was the oldest and my my parents gave me a lot of attention but maybe at school I, I was pretty shy and not popular Um, So it was kind of cool to, like, be the center of attention and everyone looking at me, being the one with the alien dog, you know. (laughs) Then the lost alien smashed through the window. It chased the dog down the hall. Erica, Elizabeth, and I chased them both. We ran as fast as we could, but it was too fast. We lost it. We stopped to catch our breath. Then we heard a voice. It was a book. (laughs) It said, it went that way. We ran to get them. (laughs) The dog ran out the door. (laughs) Man, I'm just cracking myself up. All right. It said, oh, we ran to get them. The dog ran out the door. It went over to a tree. It turns out it just really had to go to the bathroom. We took them back to class. We kept the dog as a pet. The little alien took care of it. Poor mommy Martian never got to see her puppy. Next day, Mrs. Wright called. <laughs> Mrs. Wright called me again. Here we go again. The end. Copyright Melissa Hammond. Copyright spelled copy. W R I G H T. Teachers always commented on my writing and said that it was good. Where I didn't get the same kind of feedback with like speaking up in class and things like that so it it was encouraged in a lot of ways and my my parents really encouraged it too Um, so I don't remember there ever being a specific reason where I like turned to writing because I don't know something happened and I need to get it all out on paper but it was just always something that I did and knew I wanted to keep doing. This one is called Alrednik. And it has an A-plus at the top. And it says, you are a fabulous writer. And then my teacher drew a smiley face. Alla Rednick just moved to Waynesboro. She had two adopted twin sisters named Mallory and Valerie. Lots of people made fun of her because of her name. One day at school, her teacher, Mrs. Cole, told everyone that auditions for Cinderella were at the school. This would become a movie and we could become famous. Famous spelled F-A-M-O-S. Famous. Only people in Waynesboro can try out. After school, everyone was talking about it. Ella Rednick wanted to go, too. She was getting ready to leave when her sisters locked her in a room. They didn't want her to try out because they were afraid she would get a good part and they wouldn't. What am I going to do, she said. She started to cry. She turned on the TV. A lady said, Did your two adopted sisters just lock you in your room when you wanted to try out for Cinderella? If so, call my two adopted sisters just locked me in my room when I wanted to try out for Cinderella, and I'm calling for help. (laughs) She called the number. Before she could even talk, (laughs) before she could even talk, a purple snowman (laughs) came through the phone and onto her bed. Who are you, she asked. I'm your fairy god snowman, of course. Who else? Now, get on my back or we'll be late for auditions. (laughs) They flew out the window and into the air. It was cold. Which way to auditions? The snowman asked. Take a left here and then a right and then you're there. Finally, they got there. Allerednick went in. She filled out the paper. When she wrote her name, she noticed something. Allerednick was Cinderella backwards. She was very surprised. (laughs) So, uh, it, this just came to me. Um, I was in a play in fourth grade. It, we did Annie Jr. And I was very excited and like practiced a whole bunch for the auditions. And I was, I like watched the movie again and again to like figure out what part I wanted. And then at auditions, I thought I did really well. And um, then I like got a chorus part and was very devastated. Um, So I think this was like my revenge story, like where I came out as the star, which, I mean, Melissa is in this story. I think she plays the fairy godmother, which is is mentioned, but Alla Rednick was was my um, fantasy character. (laughs) Okay. They asked Alla Rednick to sing a song. Then they asked her to read lines. Then they asked her to dance. She left feeling like she did a good job. The next day at school, Mrs. Cole told them the results. Mallory and Valerie were the two stepsisters, but unfortunately, they were sick and they couldn't play. Cammy was the cat, the other Mallory was a mouse, Mrs. Cole was the stepmother, Elizabeth was a mouse, Erica was a horse, Melissa was the fairy godmother, and Alla Rednick was Cinderella. She was very surprised. So was everyone else. They practiced until it was perfect. Apparently, the snowman was the king. Alla Rednick became a star. She and her mom got to live in a four-story house, and her sisters had to do all the chores. Now, everyone liked Alla Rednick, and they started calling her Cindy. Later, she starred in more movies and lived happily ever after. Well, I, I was always really shy as a kid. I'm not shy anymore. I don't know what happened. But as a kid, I was much better at writing down what I was thinking and feeling um, then I was saying it out loud. And it was also a way I always got praise.
0: And now we're going to move on to a story that Mel wrote when she got more serious about her writing.
1: We didn't have creative writing classes at my high school, so I took like a PSEO class, a a community college class for high school credit, and... um, did creative writing there so that's that's when I wrote a lot of stories in high school um so I should mention when I was growing up I always wanted to be specifically a children's writer so even when I was in high school I was like writing kids stories like about younger kids so this story I think I wrote it in high school I'm not sure because my mom um, took it out of the folder and then forgot which year the folder was Um, but sometime in high school, but it's based on a memory I have from like being four years old, I think. Um, I really hated when my dad made leftover, or when my dad made mac and cheese and then we'd have leftover mac and cheese the next day. So this was like my rant piece about it. This one's called leftover macaroni and cheese. Leftover macaroni and cheese. Melissa hated leftover macaroni and cheese. The once creamy sauce clumped and stuck to the tough and chewy noodles like sweat on a fat kid riding a tricycle. That's very mean. I would never write that now. (laughs) The color seemed to have turned a darker shade of orange as if all the moisture had evaporated, leaving the dreaded entree dry and somehow sticky. One could try pouring milk over the top, but it was like painting watercolors on top of a picture drawn with crayons. The paint goes into the cracks, but just doesn't mix with the wax. The cheese repelled the milk, and you ended up with macaroni cereal, leaving you worse off than you were before. On top of that, the microwave never seemed to get the job done right. Some areas of the macaroni were overheated, shriveled up, and almost crunchy, while other areas were still cold and slimy. The joy of hot, creamy, fresh macaroni and cheese was far overpowered by the foreboding leftovers certain to come the next day. I was such a picky eater as a kid, especially when it was anything that my dad made. So this... The story that happened in my real life that this is based on happened when I was very young. But, like, since after that... Um, my dad continued to cook me meals and force me to eat them, and it was, it was not a, a good situation for either of us. Um, when, when I was 10, 11, 12, my, my mom started working uh, second shift at um, the factory where she worked, Um, And so she was not around for dinner time, and she was the better cook. Um, So my dad was in charge of dinner every night, and it would always be hamburger helper and a rotating vegetable, um, either peas or lima beans. And so every other night, we had lima beans. And I... I hated lima beans more than anything in the world. I would, like, squirt, like, buckets of ketchup over them to, like, hide the taste. And I would, like, start crying and go hide in the closet. And he, he would still make me eat them. Um, so I think this also, this, this story comes out of that frustration as well. And once again, Melissa sat at the kitchen table staring with frightened eyes into this very concoction. "'Eat your macaroni, Melissa,' her father said offhandedly as he worked on his own lunch of ham and cheese. "'I'm full,' she announced, even though she had only taken a few bites. Besides, she wanted to go watch Tiny Toons on TV. "'You are not,' he replied. "'You just want to go watch Tiny Toons.' "'Darn it! How did he always know?' She'd have to try another strategy. "'I feel like I'm going to throw up.' She held her stomach and twisted her face into what she hoped looked like she was in pain. You don't have to eat any more after you finish that bowl, he answered, not even looking up from his sandwich. Foiled again, what else could she possibly do? She stirred around in her bowl and listened to the squish, sploosh of the cheese and milk being squeezed through the insides of the noodles. Picking up her spoon, she stared into her reflection, obscured by a pattern of cheese and milk as if she were looking into an oil spill in a parking lot. Then, with the intent of delaying putting that spoon in her mouth for as long as possible, she started tap, tap, tapping it on the edge of her bowl. Its shrill clank echoed through the small room for a fraction of a second. Next, she tried tapping her cup. It made more of a hollow sound and clunked more than it clanked. The table, when tapped, made a simple plonk, like a pebble dropped on the sidewalk in the park. With utmost concentration, she started tapping out the theme song of Tiny Tunes. Clink, plop, plop, plunk, 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 clink, tap, clunk, tap, plunk, clink. Melissa, her father bellowed, eat your macaroni this instant. I'm not going to tell you again. It made perfect sense to me that I would dislike a food and shouldn't be forced to eat it. Um, my... My dad just liked everyone to be eating the same thing. He had, like, a thing about that. So I would, like, offer to cook an alternate meal. Not not when I was, like, four, but when I was 11. I'd offer to cook something else or, like, eat some raw carrots instead of the lima beans. But he was all about everybody sharing a meal together that was the same. Sighing, Melissa stared once again at the cheesy mess before her. It seemed to mock her. It said to her think how delicious I would have been if I were fresh. She sighed again and cautiously stuck her spoon into the bowl. Retrieving one semi-acceptable noodle, she slowly opened her mouth and slurped it off. Bleh It sat undesired on her tongue like that chalky orange cold medicine that she had to take when the cherry kind was gone. Panicking, she swallowed it without remembering to chew. It slithered down her throat like a confused worm. Ugh. She couldn't take much more of this. Perhaps if she waited long enough, there would be a sudden earthquake and the macaroni would be lost among the chaos. Or maybe the ceiling fan would come unhinged and fall onto the table, smashing her bowl into a zillion tiny pieces. Or maybe if she stood on her head while she was eating, she would throw it back up and be excused from the table. Or perhaps... Melissa, are you eating? Her father stood next to the refrigerator, putting away the ham. She wouldn't be able to rely on circumstance. She had to think of something good, a foolproof plan to get out of eating, a line so profound that it would convince even her father that she couldn't eat the meal before her. Daddy, I really don't feel good. She stuck out her bottom lip for emphasis. Not original or profound, but it was all she had. Her father didn't hear her, however, because at that moment, his ham sandwich slid off his plate onto the floor, smearing mayonnaise over the tiled floor and scattering cheese, bread, and ham all over his feet. Oh, darn it. He had an exhausted, annoyed look on his face as he bent down to clean up the mess. That was the last of the bread. Melissa turned away from her father and stared into the cheesy mess before her. Those shriveled noodles, wrinkled and languid mocked and her and teased her. The beads of cheese laughed at her as her spoon taunted with a look of foreboding. She seethed at the leftover macaroni and cheese. She cursed its, its existence. She hated that bowl more than she had hated her brother when he sat on her Play-Doh masterpiece and destroyed her life's passion. One thing that I notice in this story that still I see in my current writing is Uh, Number one, an obsession with food. I love writing about food and, like, using food similes and describing, like, the texture and shape of food. Um, And it's not, I don't see that coming from any specific frustration. She no longer considered the macaroni a food. It had lost the privilege of being considered such. She knew it now as nothing but pure evil. She felt no remorse as she swept the entire bowl off the table and all over the floor. "'Melissa,' her father seared, "'what did you just do?' "'It was an accident,' she replied, artificial tears in her eyes. "'I was reaching for my milk, and my elbow bumped the bowl. I'm sorry.' Her father heaved a sigh, not knowing whether to trust her or not, and finally just shook his head and went for the dish rag. You're not getting out of eating your lunch, young lady. I'm making another batch of macaroni right now, and you are going to eat every bit of it. Understand? Melissa snickered to herself. Perfect. I I just love being able to to look at something and describe it in a way that really resonates with me, but maybe someone else has never thought of it that way before. So, for example, like there's like a, a simile in this that's painting watercolors on top of a picture drawn with crayons where the paint goes into the cracks but doesn't mix with the wax that's weirdly specific but like even now I'm like oh yeah that that is how it was so there's a joy that I get from describing that in a way where someone even if they've never even had lof- leftover macaroni and cheese or the whatever nasty specific version of that my dad served to me, um, but they can, like, hear that and understand what I was going through. (laughs) If I could go back and talk to past me, I would encourage her to um, journal and, like, and write down what I was feeling and not throw it away because I was afraid of people reading it because that's what I always did, Um, but I would have loved to go back and look and see what nine-year-old me was thinking and feeling, because that would really be able to inform my writing now, because I still write for kids, um, but I, I have always had this anxiety that someone is, was going to find it and read it, so I'd always destroy my journals. As soon as you introduce an audience into that, it's no longer that, that safe space, and you're no longer able to express yourself in a way that you do only when you
0: know no one else is ever going to see it at our upcoming live show on May 12th at Mr. Roberts Mel will be sharing from her journals and I asked her why now is it okay for other people to hear it
1: distance is really important i have it, it's it's fun to like look at old stuff that i've written and see how i've changed since then and i'm i'm proud of who i was but also who i have become and um with that distance there that somehow the anxiety's gone about people seeing those inner thoughts for a lot of the journals anyway there are some I will not be sharing
0: <laughs> that's going to do it for us today on the read it and weep show thank you so much to mel who bravely shared some of the things that she wrote as a child and as a teenager. If you want to come on the podcast and do an in-studio reading, or if you want to participate in one of our live shows, like the one coming up on May 12th at Mr. Roberts in Madison, Wisconsin, send an email to readitandweepshow at gmail.com. And we will work that out and make it happen. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search Read It and Weep Show and you will find us in all of those places. Hey, this music behind you right now that you hear is from our good friends, Friendly Monsters. We want to say huge thanks to them. Go out and support the music they do. Any profit they make off of the music that they make is donated to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. So, you know that when you support them, you're also supporting people that need your help. Like I said, May 12th at Mr. Roberts in Madison, Wisconsin. That's our first live Read It and Weep show show. Make sense? We are so excited. It's during it's at the end of Madison craft beer week. And, uh, I'm sure there's going to be some great beer there. I know that there's already going to be some great readings there. I've had several people sign up and I am looking forward to it. I know a lot of you are looking forward to it as well. Do us a favor. Like I said, at the beginning of the show, leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts app. Uh, any of the places that you can review a podcast, we are there and we want your help to make sure that people know that our podcast is the podcast to listen to if you want to hear the old things that people have written. Also, again, patreon.com slash read show. If you want to support what we're doing and keep this podcast afloat, we so much appreciate that. And as always... I hope that the people you are now learn something from the person that Mel was then.